Thank you for joining us on Feed the Crew. If you haven't already, please subscribe and follow us on Facebook or Instagram. If you have any feedback, if you'd like to be a guest or suggest a topic, go to our website, feedthecrewpodcast.com. If you love the show and want to support us, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com forward slash feed the crew. Today, we are talking to Carl Mayer, owner of K2 Imaging, a premier projection company in New York City. Carl has been a top-notch projectionist for the film and AV industries for almost 30 years now. I've actually had the pleasure of working with Carl on quite a few projects since about 2008. So with further ado, without further ado, <laughs> without further ado, let's get started. I'm glad you could join us today, Carl. How are you doing? I'm good, Ray. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. It's good to have you on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yep. No, I think this is uh, something that a lot of our listeners could learn from in that we want to know how you got started because you have a, a growing and thriving company in projection and it, it transforms itself between film and audiovisual live staging, right? Absolutely. So yeah. Yeah. I think we can learn a lot from this. So tell us how you got started. Uh, well, yeah, that's a funny story. Um, it all started at a bench press in a gym. Um, I was out of work and, uh, well, and, and if I can backtrack just a moment, I'll, you know, I, I graduated from Georgia Tech with a degree in architecture Okay. and I was living in Washington, DC, um, after college and working for architecture firms there. And because of the economy and the way, uh, it worked with architecture at that time. I was doing a lot of, shall we say, uh, less than interesting work. And uh, I was at the bottom of the totem pole. And so- So what year was this? This was this was early 90s. Early 90s, Washington, gotcha. DC. Yeah, for okay. a couple of years there. And, um, uh, and I, w I worked for three different architecture firms and, and I'd just been laid off again from another one because it wasn't so much about freelance economy then it wasn't, you know, the gig economy was not a thing. So you'd get hired, used, and then essentially laid off. And um, mm -hmm. that was, that was just the way it worked back then. And so after the third hire and layoff um, and between that and, and the fact that a lot of the people I was working with were not happy people. I mean, the people I was aspiring to be were not people that were happy with what they were doing. <laughs> Uh, not to mention, I wasn't really all that happy with what I was doing either. Um, I, I just kind of decided I wasn't going to go back to it. I didn't have a plan yet. But in the meantime, I was working part time at a gym as a trainer on the floor, just somebody who helps out the people working out. And um, one of the guys I knew was there bench pressing and we were chatting and I mentioned how I was uh, working as a mover part time just to pay bills you know, and I was in my early 20s, so it was all, you know, fun anyway. Sure. And uh, just pay the rent, you know, yeah. make enough money to buy some beer. That's all I had to worry about at the time. Um, and uh, he said, well, you know, there's this company, Future View, that is ah. looking for people. And I You've was heard like, this okay. mentioned before from other guests. <laughs> yeah, Future View. Yeah, I mean, really interesting company. Um, and uh I, I, I mentioned how much I was making working as a mover. He's like, oh, yeah, I think they pay about the same. And I was like, hmm, um, that's interesting. And he said, yeah, plus the stuff is all on wheels. And I was like, well, that's like a promotion, you know, because <laughs> I have to lift everything <laughs> working for the moving company. And um, so I called up uh, Rob Langford, um, and <laughs> I didn't know I was calling Rob. He was the one that picked up the phone. And uh, he said, yeah, sure, come on in. And we, we haggled on the rate. And uh, I remember it was down to the quarter per hour. Um, but uh, they hired me and, um, you know, it became apparent I was somebody who was, um, you know, could be more valuable to them than just somebody who kind of helped with load ins and load outs. And uh, eventually they hired me full time, sent me to all the major projection manufacturers for certification. Um, and this was at the time when um, I was learning a lot about LCD projection. I'd gotten Hughes training, so I did know how to use the, Hughes, the JVC Hughes uh, projectors, but I didn't really get a lot of hands-on time with those. And um, it was also right when I started, I remember 
uh, going on site to help with a loadout, and Carl Rosenberg was there to, uh, he was working on a, um, a Teleria, a GE Teleria. And um, that was the first and last time I saw that projector in use. <laughs> uh, so for some people, that will, you know, very vividly mark the my entry the, yeah. into the industry. Right. Um, but um, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was, that was when I start. I started with Future View. I was really lucky. I mean, the timing was fantastic. Um, Carl Rosenberg was my mentor. That is the genesis of the name K2. Okay. Carl Rosenberg was K1. I'm K2. Uh-huh. And I have held on to that. You know, through it was a great yeah, yeah. call name on over a radio, you know, when you're on <laughs> that, you know, or a location. Um, and uh, I was I was there at Future View for probably about three, three or four years, um, two of those years being full time. And then sometime after the the big lay, they had a big layoff. Um, uh, I think it was around 90. I want to say it was around 97, 98. Okay. And um, I think it was 98. And uh, I, I was sort of, you know, forced into freelance and uh, promptly broke my ankle. And what? <laughs> got a harsh lesson in financial management as a freelancer. Um, but yeah, so, you know, and that's how I started. Um, and then it, it evolves from there. Sure. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you what challenges you faced along the way. I think a broken ankle is one of them. And learning <laughs> our finances is actually something that um, I want to have a full-on episode about. I mm -hmm. would love to have like some group talk about freelancers and finances yeah. because uh, it is certainly something that people need to know and, and hear some tips and tricks about. Yeah. And I've, I've learned a, a lot about that the hard way. The hard and way. I, Me too. I have not been entirely successful. <laughs> I consider myself a role model for that. But, uh, but the company has very slowly and deliberately done better and better over time and until uh, March of 2020. Which is fantastic to hear. <laughs> I mean, that's a long span. It's a nice yeah. long span. That's it is. Great. Yeah. No, I've, I've been my own boss since uh, 1998. So um, I've, yeah, it's been good. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess the other, you know, major sort of points just to kind of outline the progress of the company, I, mm -hmm. I met my wife on an airplane, which is an entirely uh, separate podcast. <laughs> um, he, she was the, uh, she's the, she's the sister of a best friend of mine, but I didn't know that when I met her on an wow. airplane. Wow. And uh, yeah, very romantic story. Um, at, and as a result of that, we moved to New York uh, together. And uh, shortly thereafter, that was when the uh, digital projection Lightning 35 HD model came out. And um, I sort of did kind of a, a practical demo for Roger Getzoff, who runs uh, Cinema Technical Services up here in New York. He's a legend. And, uh, yeah. And, um, maybe you can get us an interview. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, he's, <laughs> he's a blast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now you'll, you'll, you'll have your hands full editing that podcast, but, um, cause he, <laughs> no, he's a great guy. I, yes. I have random conversations with him all the time about the industry and he's got a lot of opinions to share and it's, it's great stuff. He's, he's really a, a fantastic guy. Um, yeah. But I was doing a demo with him. I was basically setting up the projector uh, on behalf of digital projection at the Z at the now defunct Ziegfeld Theater here in in Manhattan. And um, uh, after after the show, we showed Shark Tale uh, digitally using this DPI 35 HD. It looked fantastic. And after after the show, Jeff Schneider from DPI called me and he said, "What did what did Roger say?" And I did he like it? And I said. Uh, yeah, I, th I think he liked it. And if he doesn't buy it, I will. And I was ah. joking. And Jeff Schneider was like, well, you should think about that. Seriously. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? I mean, this thing is like a $90,000 projector. Like, how could I possibly? Um, and But what happened was 
I started actually thinking about it and I was like, <clears throat> this is a really expensive projector, but I love it. It's, it's rigging ready. It, it crosses over into cinema. It, right. um, it can, it can be flown. It, it's, it's got a two, it had a 2k chip. Now this is 2004 and it had right. a 2k resolution, three chip design. And it looked amazing. It just, it was really, to me, it was um, really a, a, a sort of like a watershed, pro, you know, a big milestone in our in projection industry in terms of quality and usability. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, and so that next week, I think I called Jeff back and I was like, you know, I've been thinking about it and I think I might buy one of these, actually. I was like, you know, and he helped me with uh, finding a, a financing partner and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and so I bought one. Um, and I I never really thought, of, I, I really resisted the idea of uh, getting into the gear game, you know, because we all know that the, uh, you know, the show worthiness of these products has a very definite lifespan and by the time you pay something off, it's time to turn around and buy more. Buy more, yep. Um, but I'm happy to say uh, that the that that was it really was a great investment because even though that projector was not perfect, it had its quirks. That's for sure. Um, the plan worked, even though I had a business plan. And I knew that these six companies were the ones that I needed to rent this projector to in order to make my monthly payment on this projector. Mm -hmm. um, maybe one or two of them rented that projector from me, uh. but it was the ones that came out of the woodwork that actually made it work. I, if if you told me, like, guess what? Out of the six you think are going to rent this, only two are going to really do it, I would have never bought it. Right. But it worked out. And, of course, you know, within about two months of buying this thing, everybody's like, you know, you need two, right? And yeah, I was, I was waiting for that. I'm like, yeah. like, so I bought one. And I'm going, just one? Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, and, and that has been the blueprint for my company in a way because um, I quite literally plug into these productions, you know, um, my company, you know, sort of in parallel with my personality, I like working with people. I'm not somebody who wants to take over an industry or become the kingpin or do these kinds of things. I want to work with teams. I want to be part of a team. And uh, projection has provided that for me. You know, right. companies that have the camera switching packages and the audio systems and all these other things they're ready to go but they haven't bought the hundred thousand dollar projector because that's just too much um i plugged in nicely into yeah. the production company's uh plans yeah well and so this is probably leading us to to something that i have a question about which is how your projection has crossed over between staging companies and the cinematic film industries yeah um, so uh, again, to go back in time, you know, what happened, what I was very fortunate again, you know, it takes, it, it, it takes a lot of luck, you know, to succeed, I think. And, um, uh, perhaps this isn't all luck. I mean, cause what happened was back it's in not all luck. It's not all luck. <laughs> it's not I mean, all you luck. Be, You're very you talented to... for one. Well, thank um, you. Yeah. You have to provide the opportunity to be lucky. That, that mm -hmm. is true, you know, and, and part of that, um, providing that opportunity for myself was again Carl Rosenberg K1 uh was working with Digital Projection who had a partnership with um Chapin Cutler Boston Light and Sound and Sundance yeah. Film Festival. Uh -huh. And so uh in those early days this is 2000 I think 1999 was the first year that Sundance um officially allowed video projection into the exhibition their their you know uh, mighty exhibition world. Um, and in 2000, prior to 2002, um, they, uh, Carl Rosenberg was, was kind of their field, was their field engineer working with their product there at Sundance. When he departed DPI to take a job as an educator at Extron, 
that left a space open and he recommended me as the guy to, to fill that space. And so, of course, I gladly took that on. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I really didn't have any uh, film festival experience. And here I was going to Sundance 2002 to be one of really two um, projection engineers, along with Paul Zosky, who's now um, one of the top guys at uh, Dolby Digital Cinema, and uh, Chuck Collins from DPI. Um, and uh, we we went out and uh, set up, I think it was probably about six venues with video projectors. And we were definitely um, kind of, you know, um, jokingly looked down upon as kind of like, uh, you know, the TV guys, you know. Um, really? Video. Oh, yeah. You know, it's video, you it's know. Video. And, hmm. you know, to be true, like it was, we're talking about showing some DVDs. You know, at the time okay. it was in its infancy and right. resolution, contrast, all those things were not nearly what they are now. Right. Um, and uh, but it, obviously it's evolved so much to the point now that um, it's it's really special and unusual when a film is shown at Sundance. It's all digital cinema package uh, DCP projection now, which. Right. Um, for those that don't know, DCP projection and, and the DCP format is a very distinct, um, uh, separate uh, form, not only format, but proprietary system that does not cross over with the live event staging world and all of the digital formats involved there. Right. So when you want to do uh, DCP projection, you have to use a DCP projector and a DCP server. And the two talk to each other to make sure that they are actually DCP products. Um, and then you run your DCP format, formatted content into that projector. It's played out on the DCP projector. The audio is issued out of that projector to an audio system in the theater. Um, and uh, that is a whole special business, you know, separate from what a lot of us also know is, you know, live event staging kind of work. Right. So, right. Um, but my training as a live event staging guy has had such wonderful application in sort of ad well, adapting DCP formatted equipment and exhibition into the live event realm. Um, because there is kind of this crossover film festival um is is really it's not just showing a movie it's a live event around showing a movie right so there's a lot of preparation in getting that show right um you know everything from you know the the pre-show to the trailers to the q a afterwards and all of the clips that might need to be shown in between and right. coordinating that in a dcp environment can be challenging so. I was going to say, it, yeah, exactly. It's a huge challenge. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, there's that. There is that crossover, and and my company has been one of the, I think, one of the few companies to kind of straddle both um, with a lot of equality. Really, a lot of DCP companies still do have you know some staging projectors, but they are heavily DCP rental houses. Um, but uh, my inventory has been split pretty evenly um, between DCP and live event uh, inventory. Um, but and that has proven to been to have been really fortuitous for me because um, recently I'm well, that's unfair to say I was going to say I'm doing a lot more live event, but that's not really true. I, I'm, I'm doing more live event work now uh, during COVID, but. Um, there is still certainly some DCP work happening. Uh, I was going to say, but there is, right, but there is a lot that's centered around the DCP with your drive-in movies. Mm -hmm. um, and you did something, we were talking a, a few weeks ago that mm -hmm. you were doing something in... Arkansas? Arkansas, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, I mean, that's an interesting example of um, uh, this uh, company, I believe it was MP Productions in Little Rock, Arkansas, a uh, very large company had a big warehouse and a giant parking lot and their pivot interestingly which i found i th i thought this was a great story they they basically uh cleared out a lot of their parking lot to create a drive-in theater at their headquarters there right outside their warehouse 
and then they invite their clients in to hold their shows at their property. Oh. So they would have worship services there. They had the film festival there. They'd have any other clients that are interested in doing a live event. They rent out that property. Nice. Bring them to them. Um, and so uh, the Arkansas Cinema Society was uh, had hired them to do their film festival. But they were uh, uh, fortunate to get uh, Nomadland, the, the new film with Francis McDormand. Mm-hmm. But one of the conditions was you cannot show this uh, outside of the DCP environment. So they call Which is me. where ding, 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 those high-end <laughs> yeah. projectors come in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I literally loaded up a truck, a small truck, with my stuff and drove all the way down to Little Rock, Arkansas, set it up the night before. We showed it, packed it up, and I drove all the way back, you know. So, um not, not financially efficient for them, but, <laughs> but fortunate for me, you know. So, right. yeah. Right. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Let me see. Let me check in with the producers. Mm-hmm. How are we doing on time? 27? We're 27 in or 27 left? Oh, I didn't know which way he was going with me. <laughs> <laughs> all right so you did just cross us over a little bit into covid land into covid land (laughs) you did you did without me asking sorry no 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 it's perfectly (laughs) fine for me not to ask and us to go there tell us about your your studio oh oh but you so i found it exciting that you have the the home studio that you have you have uh screening room a screening room yeah yeah so um yeah, the screening room, basically, uh, so I've been in now, let's let's say three different professional spaces uh, okay. now, and uh, all in Brooklyn. Um, there was a time when I was starting out, I started out at a Manhattan mini storage. That's where the company <laughs> started. <laughs> that was not something I was advertising to many people. But... Okay, so in your warehouse is what you're saying was a mini storage. Right? That's right. Not yeah. your office, not the screening no. room. <laughs> I I, okay. I didn't need that much space. I needed just like a you know twenty four seven access, you know, and um, yeah, it started there, uh, <laughs> and then fortunately it grew, and and uh, real estate at the time in Brooklyn was you know uh, significantly uh, less expensive, so it made a lot of sense to do that move, and. Um, so yeah, and, and and since then I've been um, more or less sort of forced into new and bigger spaces each time. Um, and uh, but each time, a, a pet sort of pet project of mine was to build a screening room where people could review content. Um, and I think that was kind of born out of the idea that. You know, I've got to quality control my equipment anyway. Why not set it up so that, <laughs> you know, I could show a movie if I wanted to, you know? And uh, and, and, and and so I've done that at each each location. And I will share with you that it has been um, horribly unprofitable. Oh. <laughs> But fun, nonetheless. Okay. You know, right. um, I mean, if my kids had to pay for their tickets to watch cartoons every time we go in there to, to, to watch something, maybe I'd come closer to breaking even. But it's, uh, <laughs> but, I, but I have done a few, you know, significant screenings uh, for a few people. And, um, and, and certainly one of the, the more significant examples would be uh, Godfrey Reggio, who was the filmmaker who uh, uh, directed Koyanis Katsi in the early 80s, um, which was a very influential film for me. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that one. I am not. not I, yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, okay. It, it's, it's the film that probably started uh, a lot of the uh, sort of car commercial and fashion aesthetic that you see now. It's one of the first examples of collages of time-lapse and landscape photography combined into a film his work godfrey reggio's work kind of um uh at one time is is art and at at the same time cinema um 
But and so I really admired him for a long time. And then I just so happened to get a phone call from him. Um, and uh, he was coming out with a new film. This was five years ago. No, more. more uh, I think this was, was it 2015? Maybe it was about five years ago, uh, called Visitors. And um, I invited uh, him and his co-director, John Kane, to come. And we screened Visitors for uh, a very small uh, group of press uh, at my screening room. And, you know, one of those events that, you know, just that alone, you know, kind of makes it worth it in a way. Because it's a lot of work to put a screening room together, let me tell you. Yeah, (laughs) I've seen thousands of uh, theater chairs on Wayfair or what have you. I don't ever want to see another theater chair. But um, anyway, so but now I do have this uh, very ex- exclusive, which is just a really nice word for limited capacity uh, screening room <laughs> um, down between third and fourth Aves, Sunset Park area in Brooklyn. Um, for those familiar with Brooklyn, it's really close to inter- Industry City, and. Um, you know, when you walk in, you, it's just a it's a giant warehouse. Uh, not gi- not giant, uh, s- small warehouse, but tall ceilings. Um, and you have to walk through all that stuff to get to the back, and then you enter into this other world, which is this enclosed and uh, mostly sound isolated uh, screening room. And we have a digital cinema projector and a hush box at the back of the room. I've got five West Elm recliners in there. And a five one seven one Dolby system uh, okay. calibrated with a perforated screen and all the all the bells and whistles. So that sounds so cool, actually. It's really nice. Yeah, it's really competitive rates. You know, um, <laughs> it's not. Hey, it's, you know what? Give yourself a plug. You weren't uh, even I'll expecting me to ask you about that. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, it, it, you know, honestly, it, like I said, it's 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 uh, incredibly unprofitable, but it's nice when somebody does come along and they decide, hey, you know, it'd be cool to show something here. And I think really the, the thing that keeps it from being more successful is that it is so small. It is okay. um, it is tiny. Most people are asking me for at it's least intimate. It's not yeah. small, it's intimate. <laughs> it's intimate and exclusive experience. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of people come, you know, and they they'll ask me about it um and i'll say well how many people are you talking about and they'll say 50 and i'll say nope can't sorry can't even come close to that but yeah. and you know we don't have like a, a catering kitchen and all these kind of, it's not an event space it's really a technical review space but it's cool and it's fun it's you know uh, it's a nice place to be for a little while but um but it's been kind of a, you know it's it's definitely a side project it's something i've always thought of like um, again, you know, another application for projection and maybe an offshoot, um, a way to sort of, you know, see, hey, is this something that is viable? Uh, maybe the answer is no. Uh, right, right. <laughs> but right. it's cool to have. Yeah. And I know you you and I were talking about the, the studio that you're sitting in right now that you put together in your home. Mm-hmm. Because of course, this is COVID 2020 and everybody puts a studio in their home. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to set your expectations. I am not going to literally show you around this little booth because it's not exactly um, real estate ready. Uh, my wife did a performance in here last night, complete with fake blood. <laughs> and so there's, there's scripts. Um, there's, uh, I, you know, I had to be like, clean that up before I get in there. <laughs> so she did her best, but it's not exactly show ready. I'll just say that. I so. got you. I got you. (laughs) Well, like I mentioned, my wife's an actor and, um, well, she's, you know, she's not, we're an interesting pair because I'm in the in the, the industry and she's on the other side of the camera. Um, not as much as she'd like to be, but she's, you know, kind of the yin to that yang where she, um, gets to see, you know, the tech world, um, from an actor's point of view, she's an actress and, um, and I get to kind of have a glimpse into what she's going through. They're totally different things, but they're parallel, you know? Right. So, yeah. yeah. So she did a Zoom uh, performance last night. They rehearsed over and over and over and over and over. Her director happened to be really keen on the tech component of the performance. It was really a, like a stage reading, 
but okay. the director wanted it. I think she interpreted it more as a performance. And so there's lots of props and all kinds of stuff, but the actors are at home on Zoom doing their parts, interacting with each other. And some of the other shows had a, let's just say, very difficult time with their tech, um, getting it to, you know, uh, switch between uh, audio and video properly. And it really was uh, beyond challenging in some cases. So, yeah. That can be very frustrating for the tech yeah. people, for sure. For everybody. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember kind of talking with her about it. I was like, you know, we re we have three kids under eight years old right now. Right. And let's just say they have a lot of energy, um, which is great. And we are blessed. Um, however, <laughs> in order to make this successful, uh, you need an, an audio isolating space. And, um, and, you know, I live north of New York City in Westchester. And, and so I am, uh, again, fortunate to have a, a house that I live in, uh, as opposed to just an apartment or, you know, uh, a living space yeah or my car <laughs> exactly um and and for for a quick minute we thought about using one of the bedrooms and just kind of doing something kind of temporary to uh you know make it work whenever we needed to do something we'd kind mm -hmm. of set it up you know and take it down and i started doing a lot of research and you know i kind of thought you know what that's going to be difficult to well, not difficult, but just it, it, every time we're going to want to use this room to have to do a lot of work is right. is not going to be encouraging for using it. So right. um, we're lucky to have this uh, an attic that is we've got a walk up staircase. It's not even one of those like pull down ones. It's an actual one you can walk up nice. and you can stand in. I mean, it's really kind of an, an amazing bonus to this house. And um, uh at, at, at one point uh, early in the summer, uh, my wife took the three kids and went down to her parents and gave me uh, 14 days. And with those 14 days, I worked a, a, an average of probably 10 hours a day building this booth, which sounds like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Like <laughs> two weeks? Well, yes, it took two weeks. Um, this is like drywall, rigid foam insulation framed with two by fours. It's the real deal. You know, <laughs> it's about an eight by eight footprint. Um, and I wanted, and because I'm techie, you know, I wanted to have like the acoustic treatments and all this stuff. And right. I even have a, 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 a lighting bar to uh, hold lights and props and, you know, the scenic and all this kind of stuff. And, nice. um, yeah, I really wanted to trick it out, you know, and, and do it right. So, um, but, and it's proven very useful because, because my wife is now doing uh, arguably even more work now because, you know, she and I are, you know, sharing parental duties. Um, previously people, but I'll be honest, without kids, had this kind of big advantage of being able to do whatever they want, whenever they want, go, you know, go into auditions, mm -hmm. do these performances. Uh, now my wife can just kind of let me take care of the kids and yeah. she can do this stuff remotely. Everybody's doing everything virtually and remotely now. And yeah. so now she has this opportunity uh, equal to a lot of other people to participate. And it's been great for her. Um, and uh, for me, it's great to have these, you know, Zoom meetings and uh, recordings. I use this booth actually to record bedtime stories for my kids because they Aww. love bedtime stories. That's an awesome idea. It's great. I've got probably a dozen bedtime stories I've recorded, just, you know, like eight to 10 minute type things. Sure. Um, and I just, and, and sometimes I do it on the fly, like, you know, they tell us the story daddy and I'll I'll just run up here while they're getting their teeth brushed and I'll record an eight minute thing on my MacBook and just email it to my phone and then go back down there and play <laughs> it off the phone and they love that you know and That's I adorable they keep it organized <laughs> yeah but anyway the, so the, this room has you know provided a lot of opportunity for a lot of different things so but it's it's it costs probably you know if i really tally up the actual cost it's probably around two thousand bucks right to put this thing together 
Um, you kind of think, well, I've already got the, you know, the microphone or, you know, I, I brought home the MacBook Pro and the Motu MK4 from the shop, you know, like, oh, well, it's not going to, that's not an added expense. Right. Yeah, but, you know, the 16 sheets of drywall. Right, right. <laughs> oh, and like you and said, the, acoustical treatment, a light bulb. Oh, yeah. You, you, yeah. <laughs> It's, and I'll be honest with you. I heard stories about this. I, I actually uh, was invited behind the scenes for an advanced concepts uh, event up and it, it was behind the scenes up until the event started. So uh -huh. for them, you know, to set up and, and get their testing and stuff done. And we talked about you. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yeah. And, and, and they're my longest client, longest standing client. You know, I've been working with Phil and Rebecca for, uh, let's see, 20 the 23 years wow. i mean maybe more yeah probably probably 24 years <laughs> yeah because i was doing switching for phil mm -hmm. um very you know while i was working at future view i was gonna say back uh, in the yeah. early 90s right yeah exactly yeah. I th it's yeah maybe it's gosh it might be 25 years now <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, it's well, kind see, of foggy. This, like this when is exactly. where I met you was advanced concepts. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. I would, I would yeah. actually hope to get uh, someone from advanced concepts to come on the show. I would love to talk to them about, you know, what they're doing and what they're up to. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, cause they're, you know, and they are another very specialized kind of segment of the industry. Sure I want to give them props because, you know, that ACI was a company that would, hire me and rent my projectors you know here i am with this like 2k chip you know yeah. <laughs> projector and they would hire me for four by three aspect ratio shows anyway right, right. You know, they didn't have to do that you know yeah. and, it, and it, it's just been that was huge and you know i joke with bill joseph about having a brass nameplate on the back of one of the screening room seats you know uh, <laughs> he purchased part of he that purchased screening. one there you go <laughs> That's awesome. So, but yeah, no, a lot of props to them and, and, you know, really the community that they've influenced. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Now, this is great. And um, I think it's, uh, I'm really looking forward to listening to your podcast because there's so many people that I want to know their backstory. And, and, you know, we know people, right? We work yeah. with people, but, it, and I realized this, but again, or I was reminded of this recently when we're working, we're working. We don't really have time to catch up and get to know people. You know, there's not, right. we do get to know people certainly over headset and That's uh, true. personalities, but we, we rarely actually have the opportunity to take the time and talk about people's history and, and evolution, all these kinds of things. So I think this right. is a great, great podcast you're doing, right? Well, thank you. Yeah. And, you know, when I built this booth too, in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, I should try voiceover work maybe maybe that's <laughs> the pivot <laughs> one of the scariest parts of this whole experience was really on the front end when we thought it might be a month and it was turning into three and three months is turning into a year you're kind of like and we're still in the middle of it you know yeah. i mean yeah. uh, this is a new stage where apparently we're at 10 million cases now Mm -hmm. And the future is extremely uncertain. I know a lot of my clients are planning for summer next year. And I am, you know, really praying, crossing my fingers that uh, their plans uh, materialize because, um, yeah, I can't just keep kind of going forever. Right. Thank God the mortgage is frozen. A lot of people, their their rents aren't frozen. Right. You know, um, I still have to pay taxes here in Westchester, which is insane uh i mean the amount and the fact that i'm paying them <laughs> both in an incredible uh financial burden but yeah um for the most part you know uh, i kind of just kind of i'm keeping my eye on the ball like keep these children fed and i have been lucky to uh actually got um and i probably would have included this in my pivot um topic was you know i i shot a uh i was I did projection with some other guys here in New York for Soul Cycle, um, or I could we could say I did a commercial for a um, exercise bike company, and uh, we used four projectors. Uh, Bill Gillette, an old time friend, do you know Bill? 
I do. Yeah, Bill do. brought his watch out system and uh, saved the day. And we did this amazing uh, four projector uh, watch out project. Um, well, that was awesome. Uh, did an outdoor uh, giant projection project for uh, a band here in New York, a fledgling uh, young man's band, uh, kind of in the style of Bon Jovi. But um you know, these were exciting projects, and it was so good to kind of sink your teeth into something. Right. But I'm getting about one of those per month, and it's just enough to keep the wheels moving. Mm-hmm. But got to keep the wheels moving. And so sure. it's really scary when, like right now at this very moment, I have no confirmed jobs whatsoever. So uh, you and me it's, a, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's scary. It's a little scary. Um, and you got to have some faith, you know. Um, and not to be political, but I'm going to be political a little bit. I'm glad about the events that transpired this past weekend because I believe that now hopefully there'll be a kind of a plan to get back to something where we can resume work sooner than later. But yeah. uh, that remains to be seen. It's, uh, you know, I'm just being hopeful, optimistic, and you have to As be. we should be. We have yeah. to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So... So what other things have you been doing during the downtime of the pandemic? I think this time has been uh, as stressful as it's been. Um, I mean, for me, the silver lining of it is is uh, the relationships I've I've really uh, solidified with my kids and my wife. I mean, because we spend so much time together. <laughs> uh, but honestly, it's I would not have had the, that's that's sort of the really I think kind of the interesting thing about this whole experience this year is that um i am so close with my kids now uh at a and i and i think back and i go i would have been gone for 80 percent of this normally yeah. you know because my clients are very annual mm -hmm. so you know in march i do this and may i do that and june yeah. i do this and july i do that and it's and it's all travel you know most of it is travel um and i'm really lucky when it's you know new york based work but pre-COVID, that was maybe, maybe, maybe half, maybe even less, you know, um, and uh, a big part of that was Tribeca, and Tribeca Film Festival is, um, it, it's a huge show, as, yeah. as you can imagine, and yeah. um, that one is actually like a three-month contract for me, because I start commuting into Tribeca every day, every working day, mm -hmm. in fe normally in February, for the uh april event and um but so i'm i'm there at the um really kind of the early stages although even when i join people are like oh now we know the festival's around the corner because you're coming into the office <laughs> yeah uh but that that's that's a big big project and it you know takes a lot of my brain to make that one work um right. i'm the technical director there and putting teams together and um coordinating all of that uh, exhibition uh, that happens there. We do about 700 screenings for that festival. So that is, it's a bit of a monster, but um, yeah. So uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, that's the big takeaway for, you know, COVID times for me is just getting to um, approach relationships from a different angle too. I'm you know, having really significant long conversations with people in a way that normally I'm like, I'm just too busy, you know, to, yeah. to, to do otherwise, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I have lots of examples of that, including even today. I mean, I had to tell a very good friend of mine, we had a great conversation today and I was like, listen, I got to let you go. I'm going to be on a podcast here soon. So. <laughs> but, um, uh, but between my kids and my friends and other people in my family and you know my my parents are down in northern virginia they're you know sequestered and uh they've got friends down there that they meet for outdoor dinners but here we are going into winter it's like what does that become and look like right. and, um so uh you know I, I again i feel blessed you know to to have the situation i'm in in terms of like being in a house with other people there's no shortage of energy and activity here but um yeah, the future is uh, the future is weird. It's uncertain, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really hoping that 
by the time the weather changes back again to something warmer that we're uh, in 2021 that we're we're on on track to to doing something but you know at the same time nothing will ever be the same that is for sure um all the festivals i work for um i do about eight ten festivals a year um it would be foolish of me to believe that any of them are going to simply drop the virtual component of their festival exactly and that their in-person events are going to be um likely more limited i think because it's uh it's still you know uh, i don't really know that cost comparison it, it certainly takes money to put on virtual events um but it's certainly not inexpensive to do in-person things as well um, but I'm optimistic that the in-person component is going to remain because I, I still believe that that's where the magic is, is being is. a person and feeling it and having that person-to-person communication and interaction. There's just, you know, I, there's I'd no re- substitute for that. Yeah. So yeah. We, when we have to accept a substitute and do the virtual in order to get the content that we're looking for, that's one thing. But to say that that is going to absolutely replace that human to human interaction, I think is, is just not going to happen. Yeah. You're going to end up with some hybrids because you're, you want to still get that full on market that you found during COVID. Mm-hmm. But no, one-on-one interaction is very important to a lot of what we do for yeah, sure. Absolutely. That's where the magic happens. Tell us what is the most memorable moment of your career. Hello. <laughs> <The most laughs> <laughs> <Whoa. laughs> right. Okay. The most memorable moment. Let me, I'll, I'll begin by telling this story, saying the following, that this career for me, I've, I've, I've corrected a few people who, who try to characterize my, me as loving my career. And I tell them, I say, I don't love my career. I really, really like it. <laughs> okay, I love my wife. I love my family. I'm not going to use the word love here. And that is to say that my career has been a means to which I can achieve a lot of the things I've wanted to do, to do in my life. And and I'm very blessed to be part of this industry. And 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 the things I value about it are the interactions I have with people, the relationships I've built. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get to... Tr- well, I used to get to travel <laughs> to all these amazing places. I've literally been around the world. I've, yeah. I've worked in Sydney Opera House. I've worked in Doha, Qatar several times. I've I've had uh, encounters with amazing people along the way. Um, and so for that, I'm, I'm really blessed. And I, I really think this is such a cool, cool business. Um, but probably the most important moment in my career happened in early October of 2018. Um, I was invited by David Holbrook to um, be uh, one of the lead technical uh, directors for uh, his new uh, festival, which is called Original Thinkers, and it takes place in Telluride, Colorado. And I met with David and um, well before that inaugural festival and he um he told me about what he was aspiring to do and a lot of lofty words and adjectives were thrown out and <laughs> I, I mean honestly i i you know i aspire to these uh goals myself but hearing them from david and he's such a passionate uh passionate guy about um achieving these things um i knew he could do it too but uh, even I was a little skeptical. Nevertheless, I go out there and we set up uh, a great event. And much like a lot of people who, um, if you can, if you have the privilege of doing this, you're working on the next show while you're right. at the one you're on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was in the projection booth of the um, uh, of the Telluride Conference Center. And I'm working away on my laptop on the next show. And I'm literally overhearing, you know, the monitor of uh, the speaker who's out there presenting. And um, it caught my attention. And uh, I started listening to this presentation. And it it really started to envelop me. I was fascinated, uh, Dr. Zach Bush. 
I went, I was so into it, I went down into the audience and started listening to him so I could have more of a live experience, not just kind of separated by the projection booth. Um, it was just a fantastic uh, presentation. The next morning, coincidentally, maybe coincidentally, uh, he was doing a coffee talk and I got to listen to him speak for an hour and a half there. And then afterwards, I listened to him talk for an hour. Uh, well, I got to ask him questions face to face and he and I talked for an hour and a half after that. Oh, wow. It was it was a very 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 impactful conversation and experience, and it it started uh, basically the beginning of my vegetarianism, and uh, it was the beginning of an incredible uh, new chapter in personal health for me. Um, very good. So that's how this business can affect you sometimes if you're for I'm, I was just very fortunate to be in that place at that time mm -hmm. you know yeah. um yeah so but you know I've got tons of war stories you know <laughs> that I can talk about but, well and, uh, and that's something that I found I talk to my family about a lot of the content that we get to listen to Mm -hmm. You know, not so much about the technical side, sometimes technical side or sometimes somebody that I met, you know, it's, mm -hmm. that's not the thing. But a lot of times it's about the content. You know, we have a subject and I'm like, yep, saw somebody like that, you know. Yeah. And you're right. There are moments in that career overall where I can say that that changed things for me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I wish I could remember off the top of my head who I'm thinking of that changed the way I eat, my healthy habits, my sleeping habits. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, you know, of course, that's and that's the interesting thing to, um, you know, doing what I do. I'm I do this really specialized thing where I'm kind of like a projection expert. Right. But yeah. what it does is it puts me in all these different environments that are right. so different. It's really kind of cool. Like, I mean, I uh, my company and I get to do art installations. We get to do commercials. We get to do film festivals. We get to do um and, you know, guerrilla projections around the city. I mean, not, you know, there's so many different projects that I've done and it's just like, you know, the office is changing every day and it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So. Well, thank you for being on the show. I would pleasure. love to be, I would love to be able to catch up with you again in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm really eager to uh, listen to, well, obviously, listen to myself. I can't wait to listen to myself. No, I've already heard myself <laughs> enough, but I, I can't wait to hear about uh, some of the other people you're going to have on. And um, I'm, you know, blessed that you uh, chose me to participate. Thank you, Ray. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm glad you were, you were willing to do it with us. So thanks again. If you'd like to find Carl for your next projection project, we'll link his website in the description for you, or you can reach out to the show and we'll put you in touch. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Check out our website at feedthecrewpodcast.com for more information, as well as links to all of our episodes, bulletins, and social media. When you're hungry for inspiration, information, friends, and laughter, join us. Join us. Join, join us. us on Feed the Crew.